What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Ryan Clark. And Ryan, we got to get busy today because there's some big breaking news around the world of mixed martial arts. But before I get into what's coming up, RC, how you doing, my brother? You out in New York? I saw you on uh, Get Up this morning talking basketball the whole time? Hey, DC, this is what we do. Unlike you, who lies about winning the state championship in basketball in 1997, your boy actually <laughs> did. You know what I mean? And I stayed locked into the sport. And it was a good time this morning. It also feels good, DC, when you can talk about something and be wrong. But one of the producers did make a joke that I thought was pretty funny. He was like, oh, it's just like you with UFC. And I thought about it. I was like, he's kind of right. <laughs> Guys, coming up on the show, that big news we talked about is Francis Ngannou signing with the PFL. We will chat with the former UFC champion. We also will discuss who Hamza Chemaev should see when he comes back into the octagon. And as always, we tap in and tap out. Tap in or tap out. But before, guys, the news of the day is Francis Ngannou. He has signed with the PFL. The former UFC champion have signed a massive deal. This, Ryan is a deal that would seem to almost change the landscape of mixed martial arts because he has done something now that no one has done before. It is the most expensive and valuable athlete signing in MMA history. He is going to fight in the super fight division in 2024. He also, Ryan, is not only an athlete, he will join the Global Athlete Advisory Board. He'll serve, serve as the chairman and minority equity owner for PFL Africa. And he is also free to pursue boxing in 2023. Now, I know when I look at the PFL African everything, how much that means to Francis. We are now joined by the one and only Francis Ngannou. Big dog, how you doing, man? On the day of what is the richest MMA contract we've ever seen. I'm doing great, my man. How are you doing, DC? I'm good, so, Francis. I tell you, Francis, nice listen, guy. bro, like, you he's know, such a nice I was guy. Worried. He's a nice guy until he, yeah, until he punch a hole in your face. Francis, <laughs> listen, bro, there was so much speculation. Francis fumbling the bag. Francis doing this. Francis doing this. And a couple days ago, you put a picture up of it. Hey, look, this is just me fumbling the bag in front of the bins. And now today, it looked like your hair's longer, your skin's a little brighter. It's like everything came together for you, champ. Like, how did this all come together? This was done a long time ago. We didn't just um, sign it yet, but it was done all, all, all this time. So by the time you guys were out there making all those speculation, I wasn't worried about any of you. I was confident. Well, first off, Francis, the only one on this show that was making any speculation saying you fumbled the bag was DC. <coughs> I was supporting you the whole time. How significant? Yeah, I, 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 I saw... I saw DC said that, like, I should buy, buy the bullet. I'm like, oh, man, you don't just know what's going on. I'm like, you're going to be surprised. I didn't know. I didn't but, know. Uh, just, just as everybody, just as everybody, I think, like, uh, some people think, like, oh, he's out of option. He's, he doesn't know what he's doing. Hey, believe me, man, I've been working on this for the past three years, and uh, it's been going great, um, you can, as you can see. But, Chip, I call you, I text you, you don't answer the phone. So what am I supposed to do? No, you leave me with no options. DC, you, did, you, you, I mean, DC, you didn't call me. You didn't text me. I have my phone right here. You want me to check? Francis, I'm going to tell you right now. BS. Daniel Cormier will tell a lie on TV, bro. 
He is. He has <laughs> zero shame, Francis. He will tell a lie and try to make you look bad, bro. But I have. I do have an important question for you, though, Francis. When, when ahead, you're Ryan. signing this deal, how important was it to you to be a minority equity owner in PFL Africa? Um, and also be on the board. This isn't just you continuing to be an employee or a worker. You've now become a boss. Well, um, first of all, I, I, I'm my own boss. Um, but he was very important um, for me to get those. But you also have to remember that um, he wasn't even... This was such an easy deal because I didn't have to request for so many things. Like the fighter advising board, which is uh, a board that will be there to advocate for fighter, is not something that uh, I was looking for uh, because he's just a position to uh, uh, speak on behalf of other fighters that are not uh, in the same position I will, doesn't have that opportunity. So it could be anyone else. And this is something that I've been fighting uh, about and anyone can be sit there. So it's not like some attribute to me. Uh, fighter advising board being in the PFL since the beginning, I'm just the first active fighter to, uh, to sit in that table. And I think uh, somebody like DC can sit at that table as well as is a uh, huge icon of the sport uh, to help. Like, he knows what is the challenge in the sport to fight for this guy. I mean, you're still my guy, DC, with all those blah, 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 blah. You're my guy. I love you, brother. <laughs> hey, Francis, Francis, but the more honestly, I blah, yes. blah, blah about you, the better the... And the more I blah, blah, blah about you, the better the numbers are. That's why your yeah. numbers are better. Because Francis Ngannou brings the clips. Oh, no. But, my, guys. No, I was just saying right, my man, number don't make me come to never, Vegas never, never be in danger. Ooh, you heard that, DC. That man said don't his numbers ain't never been no out. problem. His numbers ain't never been no problem, DC. No, which are Dana White <laughs> privilege. Fran Francis, that's, Francis, this is one thing that I wanted to say, kind of talk about a little bit. Boy, Ryan, you are a boy. You like to start trash. Francis. I read an article today when they were talking about your deal, and they were saying even the deal with the UFC wasn't necessarily only about money. You wanted to have and be more of an advocate for the other fighters. Like, why is that so important for Francis Ngannou to not only uh, elevate himself, but try to elevate the whole, right? The, the All boats ride was the tide, and they said that for you, that's so important. Why is that so important for you, Francis? Well, the reason why it's so important for me is because uh, I had some frustrating experience this past, I would say, three years. And then I get really get frustrated, and uh, I would like I would have liked to things to change. If ever I find myself in that position, I would find uh, would like to have an opportunity or for me or for someone to speak on my behalf to fight for me i felt i felt powerless during this whole process because of the contract and the structure and that's when i realized like uh, us fighters shouldn't be in this position all of us we um, doesn't matter uh, even though we are um, outnumbered but we are powerless we are all in individual situation and feel the same thing uh, individually and we have nobody to speak on ourselves and uh, I didn't like the feel. I didn't like that feeling, and I wanted, just wanted it to change. In case I get there, or for those who I stood there, because I realized it wasn't only my situation. So many people was 
in the situation. Obviously, I was one of the first to have the opportunity to get out of it, but uh, still remember that the problem is still there. You know, Francis, a big part of this contract is also having the opportunity to pursue other fights outside of the PFL, namely boxing. We got to see you stand face-to-face -face with Tyson Fury, and I think we were all excited about that. What are some of the things you want to do outside of the PFL and some of the fights you'd be eyeing in boxing? Uh, some other fights. I, I would say all those big uh, fighters, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, I want to fight them. You know, that's the fight that I have my eyes on. And that's Francis, why... I, during like, this time, right? During this... Sorry, go ahead, Francis. No, I was like, that's why this deal uh, was uh, only MMA exclusive. Francis, can I ask you a question? Over the course of the time away, right, when it's, like you said, you've had this deal done in place for a while, but right after, were there any moments where you were like, man, this is taking a little longer than I want? And when I started to see these reports of people going, I'm out on Francis. Me and Ryan talked about this a couple weeks ago. Lamar Jackson went through the same thing. I'm like, how could they not want Francis and Gano when everybody's like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Obviously, you already had your deal in place now that we know that. But in those earlier days, were there ever moments where you were like, man, this is taking way longer? Like any discouragement felt on the part of Team Gano? No. And that's, that's what uh, makes me realize that I took the best decision for myself because obviously... I, I have to think through this decision long time for so many times, months, uh, year. You know, I, I, I was always like, okay, if ever I get into out of this situation, if ever we don't have an agreement here, what will happen? I will find myself out there. How would I feel? How would I handle it? And I think about it so many times and like, okay, would it, shouldn't I just stay here and just take it? whatever it is, and be comfortable. And uh, I'm like, no, I can't do that, you know. And even after it happened, after January, I'll, I've been thinking of um, of it like, okay, did I take do the, uh, took a right decision? Should I, uh, maybe I should have this. Then I think about it, and then I'm like, no, I shouldn't. So I've been confident and happy with my decision all along the time. Even without knowing where I'm going, I wasn't worried about it uh, at all. You know, even before we, we come to an agreement, I wasn't worried about a deal. And let me tell you something. If at the end of the day, I didn't have a deal, um, or we didn't make this deal happen, I would still be okay because I stand for what I stand for. You mm. understand? So I'm not just... I refuse to change my position and to drop down my uh, my position, to give up my position just because I want to feel comfortable, just because where I, uh, it's hard, just because this. No, I took my position and I'm confident with it and I'm happy with it. Francis, last one before we let you go, champ. Any regret that the Jones fight didn't come together? I got to know. Any regrets, always. especially I watching will, what he did to I Cyril Gunn? I will always have a regret of not fighting John Jones. I, I think you know, being in the sport, being in this position, uh, what you want to do is to test yourself, 
against uh, somebody like John John who stand as a god of the sport. You can argue that uh, to him. I will always and uh, still still this day I'm like if ever there is an opportunity to fight John John, we will do it. But I don't know how. Maybe maybe a cross promotion. I don't know. But John John is somebody that anyone uh, that looking to to make a uh, legacy in this sport would like to fight. It's like back in the day. Hey Francis. Everybody has to fight. When you're the guy, you have to fight. It's good to fight Fedor, you know, because he was out there doing his thing and he was the guy and you couldn't argue that. I think it's the same thing right now. And I think he goes he goes both ways, even for John Jones. Even for John Jones, this fight was a good fight to make a statement. Hey, hey Francis, thank you for joining us, champ. Listen, man. Answer your phone now because you act like I'm the one doing your contract negotiations. Like I work for the <laughs> UFC, so you screaming me like I'm you screaming me like I'm Dana White or Hunter Campbell. Like answer your phone for me next time, Francis. Thanks for joining this chat, but congratulations on the big deal, man. Congrats, chat. Thank you, DC. Thank you. Make sure that you have a correct number though, and make sure to <laughs> let it ring next time. <laughs> he- yeah, my man. Congrats, <laughs> France. Ryan. Hey. He's a good dude, man. He's he really a good is, dude, man. but he's an absolute killer. You know what? I I gained a lot of respect. I, I've never had an opportunity to have a conversation with Francis Ngannou, and sometimes the the language barrier, right, and us having to work through to understand some of the things that he's saying and the way that he's communicating them, the intelligence can be lost, and the fact that he was standing on something couldn't be lost. Uh, what stuck out to me was he said he was prepared to not fight again. He was prepared to have his demands, have his requirements, and if those were not met, he was okay with moving on with the rest of his life. I believe that's a powerful position to be in, and when you are in that position, you can get a deal done like Francis Ngannou has been able to negotiate for himself, and I think this is awesome for Francis, But I believe this is big for fighters as well. And the one thing that always happens in the NFL, D.C., is you see these precedents set and it's up on the next guy to get a contract or it's on the next up that has an opportunity to be the best at at the position to make sure they continue to push contract negotiations, negotiations forward, that they continue to raise the bar, that they use the people that they're on par with to also be a part of their negotiation so they can keep furthering the game or furthering the organization. And now it's going to be on the next guy who's a big-time fighter like Francis Ngannou, which, D.C., if we're being honest, Francis Ngannou is not the biggest star for there to ever be in the MMA. But he was a guy that stood on something. And in standing on that, he set a new height and a new precedent for the next fighter that's coming through that may have the sort of leverage that Francis Ngannou had going into these negotiations. You know, Ryan, um, I want to make sure that we communicate to the world that this is not a normal situation, right? Because we're talking about the heavyweight champion. You always knew that if anyone was going to set the standard for what is out there as a free agent, it was going to be Francis. The moment he announced that he was going to be moving on, 
you knew that the standard in the bar would be set by Francis. So any athlete can't just go, I'm going to go and do something different because Francis Ngannou did something different. They have to have leverage. And ultimately, that leverage Francis had was winning that fight in Anaheim and beating Cyril Gaon and walking away with the championship. And he used it to try to accomplish something good. He feels like he can elevate the other fighters through his actions. Now, Ryan, Francis has a stipulation in his contract. At least it is thought to be that even his opponents are getting a bump in pay. It's not just Francis getting money. The guy that gets to fight Francis gets a payday that may even equal out to a million dollars. Like, there are guys that never would make a million dollars. But if you step in there with Francis Ngannou, you could make a million dollars. There are very few people that can move the needle like that for themselves and for their opponents. Now, you think UFC. There is not there is no organization that has talent on par with the UFC as a whole. But there are outliers out there in the world where guys can really compete. You're seeing that now in Bellator. You saw it in Strike Force because when all the Strike Force people came, they became champions. Myself, Ronda Rousey, Luke Rockhold, Robbie Lawler. All these fighters came over and became champions. So we always could compete. I think they have these outliers. So to believe that Francis Ngannou is going to fight lesser competition is going to be very, uh, it'll be difficult to prove because it is tough out there. There are fighters out there that can challenge you out in the world of mixed martial arts. As a whole, UFC is where it's supposed to be. Yeah. But Francis Ngannou has set a new standard. Kind of feels like go play less golf for more money. Would live golf without, yeah. you know, all the issues with the uh, the Saudis, you know. So, uh, big deal for Francis Ngannou. Congratulations to the former UFC heavyweight champion on really setting a new standard for what is out there in the free agent market. It feels real, Ryan, after yeah. this one. It makes MMA feel real after well, seeing it, it, you what Francis Ngannou just it's, did. It's now a competition. Right, it's because it's it's to me what Nike's always been. It's what ESPN kind of gets to be. They are the UFC is negotiating from a stance of leverage because they understand that you'll never have as many eyes, you'll never have an opportunity for the type of celebrity and fame that the UFC can create. And I believe that when they're negotiating, they negotiate from that point. Now with Francis and Ganu moving on, PFL understanding to get someone of Francis's caliber you have to make sure you sweeten the pot and sweeten the deal and they were able to do that but speaking of sweetening the deal going into this weekend we were trying to figure out if Jaltan Almeida was a guy right if he can get an opportunity to ascend into the top five contenders as it pertains to the heavyweight division and he was going to have to try to do that against Jarzino uh Jarzino what are you laughing at Rosenstrike and bro this no, is no, a dude yeah. this Wait, this I just had this visual RC RC stop. I'm sorry, bro. Like, Jailton Almeida is huge. He's like 6'4. RC, I'm leaving Sunday to hotel. Jarzinho Rosenstrike tells me he has a camp. He's doing a clinic. Him and all his coaches, RC, you get four coaches. They all got into a Toyota Camry, bro. He started driving <laughs> to a clinic. He was doing five hours ago. So the moment you said his name, it just like burst in my head. Them all piling into that Toyota Camry, dog. I'm sorry, RC, that finished. I'm so unprofessional. Hey, oh you are my God. so unprofessional, bro. I am so glad. I'm so glad that they can edit 
the show, man, when they need to and just take you completely out of it sometimes and allow it to just be RC and RC. And now you talk about this man getting in the car like a clown car at the circus with his homeboys <laughs> trying to go to the clinic. When you look at, when you think about what Almeida was able to do against Rosenstrike, you mentioned last week it felt like Rosenstrike was kind of starting to be the gatekeeper of the top five, and now he's moved up into the fifth spot in the rankings, even ahead of Sergey Pavlovich, who is absolutely killing people with these first-round knockouts. He went for the takedown early, D.C., and we saw Rosenstrike stuff it. And I kind of thought at that point that, okay, he stuffed the first one. He's going to have an opportunity to keep this fight in the middle of the cage on the feet. Uh, Almeida was able to get the takedown, eventually takes his back and submits him. This is the dude that just doesn't get hit. He finds ways to, whether it's submit or dominate each and every opponent. Where do you see the ceiling for him as it pertains to the heavyweight division now that John Jones is the heavyweight champion? RC, he's been hit twice. This dude has absorbed two significant strikes in his five UFC fights. This is like Hamzat. You remember how crazy it was when Hamzat was never getting hit when he was in the UFC? Two significant strikes is what Hamzat Jailton Almeida has absorbed in the UFC. It's crazy, Ryan, to watch him do what he is doing. And it also is very encouraging for Team Almeida because they just don't have that many grapplers in the heavyweight division right now. So when you ask me about his ceiling, I think to myself, I think this kid can get all the way to the top without running into trouble because John Jones can grapple with him. John yeah. Jones can wrestle with him. But when you start looking at the top five of the UFC, I mean, the number one contenders is, is, is Cyril, right? Cyril's number yeah. one. Uh, yeah. Number two, they're all strikers. They're mm -hmm. all strikers. So when you look at the rankings, you start to think, man, this is the perfect time for a guy that has that grappling base to be making his ascent because it does not seem like there's these landmines. It's crazy too, RC, because think about whenever we were kind of rolling through at heavyweight. You had Junior Dos Santos, who's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. You had Fabricio Verdum, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Josh Barnett, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Myself, Kane Velasquez. You had right. Fabricio Verdum. Like you had... All these great grapplers that also possess striking ability. Now, it seems as though you have the striker or you have the wrestler. But the only wrestler that's in there is Curtis Blades. Outside yeah. of Curtis Blades and that, that, that heavyweight top five, it's all strikers and then John Jones. So I think Jailton Almeida has an opportunity to really rush himself into a championship opportunity. And if it was me, right now, RC, I'm saying, guys, give me, don't give me Pavlovic. Because Pavlik can just knock anyone out. But right. give me Cyril Gan or Ty Tuivasa or yeah. one of those guys that's in that top five that you feel like you could take down and fight but, him in the same way you fought but, against but he, Jarzinho Rosenstrike. But he said that. He said he wants Ty Tuivasa. We remember, though, like, we remember Ty Tuivasa was on an ascension. He was, he was knocking folks out. He was giving us exciting fights. Do you think that this is a smart that this is smart of Jay Oten to call out Ty to Ivasa, and how would you see him faring in this fight? I think it's the smartest matchup he's calling for because Tom Aspinall, we don't know 
Tom Aspinall's wrestling yet because he was supposed to fight Curtis Blades and he got hurt. So we don't know if he has the ability to defend takedowns. But we do know that Ty does struggle with the takedown defense. We have seen Ty Tuivasa get grounded before by big wrestlers. So I think this is the smartest matchup for him. And I think, RC, we are watching these young athletes not only improve technically, but they're much smarter in the way that they want to progress up the rankings. They find matchups that they think fit them, and they're like, let me have that one. So, yeah, at number nine, Jailton sits now in the top ten, and he goes, give me Tuivasa, who's a guy that has zero submissions, but he can't knock you out, and Ty Tuivasa can get taken down. While his wrestling has improved, I feel like this matchup for Jailton is very favorable in the sense that if he can stop Ty from just knocking him out, he feels he can take him down and grapple with him. So, yeah, I think this is the right call-out from Jailton Almeida, even though I may see Ty Tuivasa as my friend and I would want to help him with his wrestling, but I think this yeah. is the right call-out for Almeida. Yeah, I think I misspoke earlier saying he was five. DC just made sure to make the correction that Jailton Almeida has now moved himself uh, into ninth in the heavyweight rankings. Uh, in the co-main event, we got an opportunity to see Anthony Lionheart Smith against Johnny Walker. And Johnny Walker, what, two fights ago, I believe it was, had an opportunity to face the now champion Jamal Hill in what was an epic knockout. He seems to have really gotten in the lab, DC, and improved on a lot of those skills, a lot of his technique and the way that he approaches the fight. So much so, he confused Anthony Smith, who I think is one of the more cerebral fighters in their entire UFC light heavyweight division. Here's a little sound of Anthony in between rounds one and two. All right, listen, talk to me real quick. What's going on? Sorry to get you. Okay, listen, then find the body. Listen to me. Faint up, find slow, the body. Slower now. I know. Hey, if he's hard to get to, find the body. Faint up one, go to the body, find your two. You got to finish, though, with your lead hand. Okay. Your lead hand's there all day off your rear Open side. That round. It's close. DC, as a, as a fighter, you're all right, man? Like, you got a little allergy. As, as a fighter, when you, yeah. get, when you get into that position that Anthony is in, when you feel like your opponent presents a puzzle that you won't be able to piece together, what is that feeling like for a fighter? It's the worst. It's the worst. It, it literally is like, now I got to just bite down on my mouth guard and I got to just go fight. Because sometimes it's just hard, Ryan. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it doesn't seem like you can find the path. And you got to just bite down on the mouth guard and just go fight. And that's that comes a bit natural to us who go into that octagon time and time again. But at a point, that fight isn't as present as it used to be, right? Your bank account's bigger. You got the bigger house. Your family's comfortable. Everything is gone exactly according to plan. So you don't have to necessarily be as much of a dog anymore, and you get civilized. I've seen so many fighters or killers become civilized, right? Anthony wears the nice suits on ESPN. He's a different guy than he was when he was fighting as if his life depended on it. And so maybe that fight just isn't as present. We all have gone through it as we get towards the end of our career. And I felt like earlier in his career, Anthony might have been, I'm going to bite down on the mouth guard. I'm going to make this dude fight me. I don't care what I have to do. It did not seem that way Saturday. It seemed that the confusion led to him going, I'm going to survive. And by trying to survive, he got beat up even worse. His front leg got battered with the outside leg kicks. 
He got dropped in the third round, and it looked as if uh, Johnny Walker would have jumped on him and put a little pressure on him. He would have finished him. So my question to you is, for as impressive as Johnny Walker was, and he is impressive. His coach is actually in San Jose right now, John Cavanaugh, because we're doing some stuff for Alta. But for as impressive as Johnny Walker was and for as good as he's gotten and the improvements that he's made, is this more speaking to who he has become or who Anthony Smith has become as Anthony it looked like he was going to retire, Ryan. He started to take off his gloves. I was like, man, this might be the end for Anthony Smith. Like, what is this more telling about? Anthony's place in the game or Johnny Walker's? I think first you have to commend Johnny Walker on continuing to improve, continuing to work. He was a guy that was dynamic. He was someone that was explosive, could strike in many from many different angles, was daring and fearless in his striking but that was starting to catch up with him a little bit. And we saw him slowing down and people, whether it's Santos or Jamal Hill, catching up to him. And so I have to commend Johnny on continuing to work and elevate. But this is also about Anthony Smith. This is about an Anthony Smith that at one point in his career fought John Jones for the light heavyweight title. And now you have someone who I listen to and try to get the game from and try to learn from and try to helped me understand the fight game, basically saying, this guy's too good. And no matter what we see Johnny Walker as, he's not the best. No matter what we see Johnny Walker as, he's not the hardest puzzle to solve. No matter what we see Johnny Walker as, he's not walking around with the light heavyweight UFC strap. And so I think for Anthony Smith, you said he was starting to take off the gloves, he's going to have to do some soul searching. And I'm never, as a dude who hasn't fought, I'm never going to tell a fighter it's time to hang it up. But if you get into a point where from a mental standpoint or from a, a, a way you see the game, you can't beat a fighter strategically and you can't, as you say, DC, bite down on that mic mouthpiece and say, I'm going to give one, I'm going to take one to give one or I'm going to find a way to take him down. I think that puts you in a position where you do have to start questioning where your place is in the fight game and should you still be doing it or is your heart into it as much as it used to be? RC, but as you know, it's easier to retire when you've got some security because you and I have spoken about this before on the show where there were times where you could barely walk up these stairs. But if the bank account was zip still, if the bank account was still very low, you would still want to fight. You gotta fight. So when you find that security... Sometimes it's hard to have to go through the injections in the knees to play the game because you're like, man, I got this other thing that I can do, especially when you get the TV. Like Anthony's gotten the TV just like you had the TV and I have the TV. It makes it easier to walk away because you know you have that security even when you walk away from the fight game. And I think maybe Anthony is kind of looking to that going, you know what, man, I've made some money. I got money coming on the backside. I'm good. So let's see what happens. But... A guy that isn't even thinking about retirement in any way is Ian Machado Gary. Bro, you get these young Irish fighters, and there's this excitement. Look, no one will replicate what Conor McGregor did. And it doesn't matter how hard Ian Gary tries, right, with the accent and everything. But this dude can fight. And yeah. he beat Daniel Rodriguez in a way that we've never seen him get beat before. Mm -hmm. What do you think of Ian Gary? And does he do, does he do that thing to you, Ryan? From the outside, that thing that gets you excited kind of makes the hairs on your arm stand up where you're like, this dude is going to be something special. 
he, he does when you truly tap into the skill. When you think about finding a way to get the third round finish in the fight before and then coming out right away and dominating the way he did this weekend, you don't, you don't have to be the superstar Conor McGregor is outside of the octagon to fight in a way that can make you a star. Ian Gary is exciting. He's technical. He's long. He finds ways to touch people. And when he touches you, he hurts you. When you think about the head kick that put his opponent down initially, you knew right away this is it. And you're seeing him display different skills each and every time he steps into the octagon, and he wants to be a star. He's willing to take the fights. And as he continues to stack these wins, I do think a little bit of that Irish following continues to build as we're watching Conor McGregor on his way out and in and Ian Gary is a future star, but he's showing us right now from a skill standpoint, he fights in the type of style that's not only effective in winning, but it's exciting to the fan base. Yeah, it's absolutely exciting. And, and I was speaking to him, and he he's very thoughtful. He's very, like, knowledgeable in regards to what he wants to do. And this dude just had Daniel Rodriguez pegged. He was telling us, that he was going to do this, 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 and this. And I was like, man, D-Rod's 17-3. and D-Rod's not a scrub. D-Rod's in the top 15. And then he completely wiped him out. I did not anticipate he would beat him in the way that he did, especially when he fought Gabe Green and fought Gabe Green, who D-Rod had beaten, and fought him in a pretty fairly competitive fight. Not like he, then, uh, Gabe Green was winning, but he was in the fight the whole time until the end. Bro, this kid understands that he's got massive size for the weight class. He possesses wrestling skills. He has tremendous striking in his confidence, man. And every time he goes in there, he's more confident. And I believe that when you get these guys like uh, Ian Gary and like a Conor McGregor or Jack Della Maddalena, who is the man at welterweight, the more these guys from across the pond gain confidence, it's almost like an inevitable that they're going to get to where they want to go because they won't allow themselves to think anything different. Well, you know, right now, Ann Gary's undefeated. He just beat a dude in Daniel Rodriguez who could be extremely scary, and he had zero fear. Went straight at him, stood in the pocket, moved, <laughs> got into places, and it, the fight, the, the fight was, it wasn't even competitive. DC. And I think I think that's oh. one of the things when you see a fighter like Ian Gary as he continues to take on better, more experienced opponents and dominate him, dominate them in the way that he did. I think that's when you start to take notice. And I'm sure UFC executives are as well. Uh, another fighter who had all of us taking notice, especially during the pandemic <laughs> and in his epic war with Gilbert Burns was Hamzat Chemaev. And here's what he said. I have no problem with fights. If they gave me a fight, I would have fought a long time ago. I did so many training camps and not one fight. The problem is definitely not with me. Prepared in Dubai, then to Thailand, and then to Thailand. Why do I train so much if there is no fight? I don't understand. Hamza Chamaya is basically saying, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready, but I've been ready, and they ain't ready for me to fight. DC, is his lack of fighting or if his, 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 his lack of activity Hurting Hamzat Chemaev. 
I don't know if the lack of activity is hurting Hamzat outside of hurting the bank account because the moment he's back in the spotlight, we're all going to just all tap back in, right? The problem is the last time he fought, there was so much surrounding it with him missing the weight and then all the, 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 the card getting shuffled. It was just so many different things that went into why Hamzat didn't fight. But there are just a couple bigger things going on as to why he's not getting fights. But I do anticipate he's going to fight in Abu Dhabi. He'll fight towards the end of the year, and it will be something big for Hamzat Chemaev because it has to be something big for Hamzat Chemaev. He, because of his fighting style and because he is so outspoken and he's so confident and he's so brash and in your face, people will never forget him. It's that same thing, RC, with most of the Dagestanis, with Conor McGregor. You might forget about him for a little bit, but the moment they're back in the public eye, you tap back in. And I think that's going to be the same thing for Hamza Chemaev. I don't know why he hasn't fought. I wish I get to see him fight a lot more, but right now that's not happening. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost auspicious that we haven't seen him. Uh, when you have the type of fight he had against Gilbert Burns, we understand what was surrounding the Kevin Holland fight, and it went pretty much how we expected it, expected it to go. But this is a dude that figures to factor into the 185-pound division at middleweight for sure. But And if he wants to fight welterweight or can get back to that weight, someone who could be big there. And he said, I can fight with everyone. I do not care. He puts in Bilal, Kamaro. He uh, adds in Izzy, Ezra Adesanya, Leon Edwards, Kobe Covington, Robert Whitaker. But we saw it said Kamaro Uzman. He put the check. And Kamaro actually responded to him like, let's freaking go. When you think about that fight, DC, is that the fight you want to see Hamzat Chemaev take? Or is there somebody else out there that would make an, a more exciting matchup for him? No, bo both of these are great. I mean, Ham Hamza Chemaya versus just about anybody works. But Kamaru Usman makes a ton of sense. But the problem is uh, Dana doesn't want to do a catchweight fight between the two. And it's going to be hard for Hamza to get to 170. But Usman was trying to put it out there like I can fight him at 175. I can fight him at 180. But Dana's like, we don't really do catch weights. So if they can't come to terms on the weight class, I don't know what, how it works. And I don't know if I would like Kamaru Usman to go down, go all the way up to 185 because then he would be undersized fighting in that weight class. So for me, my top three potential opponents, one would be Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker at middleweight would be a tremendous fight. And I believe that that may be the most difficult fight for Hamza Chemaev at 185 pounds to show that he can fight in that weight class. Then I bounce him back down to 170, saying he makes the weight. I'd love to see him against Kamaru Usman, fighting a guy that was the champion that wants to be able to make a statement and prove that he still belongs in a championship conversation. But then I'm going to be a little bit more realistic, and I'm going to say put him back up at 185, where I would like to watch him compete against Marvin Vittori. Another big middleweight guy that has hung around the top five for a really long time and would test Hamzat to prove that he is one of the best middleweights in the world. So I'm giving you two middleweights and one welterweight because at welterweight, I believe that the weight cut will always be really hard. So that is not as reasonable. But at middleweight, I'm putting him in there with two of the best middleweights in the world, Ryan Clark, either Robert Whitaker or Marvin Vittori. Yeah, I think... 
those make the most sense. Because if to me, if he if he could get down to 170 and he was willing to go through the weight cut, I think Kamaru Usman is the obvious choice. You're talking about a former champion, a guy that beat Gilbert Burns as well, and beat Gilbert Burns in more dominating fashion than we saw Hamzat Chemaev. Marvin Vittori, I believe that's a great fight. I think a fight against a guy like a Jared Cannonier who has more of a big body because we've seen Hamzat Chemaev throw people around inside the octagon, and I don't think he'd be able to do that against someone like Jared Cannonier. And I think, which doesn't make sense, I guess, because the UFC is trying to move this guy to 205, and it seems like Alex Pereira will be moving up. But I would love to see both of those men inside the octagon versus one another. And I think it would seem that it would be the matchup that a guy like Alex couldn't win with a Hamzat Chemaev. But what would Hamzat Chemaev do with someone that powerful, a guy who could be that big on fight night, and I just think the excitement surrounding it is basically saying this, Hamzat, you say you'll fight anybody? Let's get in here and fight one of the most dangerous men in the entire world inside the octagon who could also, on fight night, be bigger than you. You want to fight at a catchweight? Go fight that dude at a catchweight, DC, if you really bought that action. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays. Well, what about selling with Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch at your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-order stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autograph apparel are selling sleek skis. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort Thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash DCRC. All lowercase, go to shopify.com slash DCRC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash DCRC. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. RC, I love that. I never thought about Jerry Cannonier and that, but, but the beauty in that is that we're, all t- we're talking about for Hamzat at 185, all the best, because yep. he needs to prove that he deserves an opportunity to fight Israel at Asanya. And Alex Pajeda tweeted something the other day saying, sounds like Izzy wants to go a third round because Izzy's still talking about him. So he seems open to that. Now, this weekend, we have a fight card headlined by Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill. There are a ton of fun nicknames. The last stylebenders. Israel at Asanya is a great nickname. So I figured, let's get into nicknames. Angela Hill, Overkill, Chase Hooper, The Dream, Elir Latifi, The Sledgehammer, Edmund Shabazian, The Golden Boy, and Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Ryan, great nicknames. So we get to thinking, what would be your best MMA nicknames, RC? I will let you go first, my friend. Do you want? Do I get to go all five at one time, DC? This, okay, here we go. DC, at number five, I'm going with Rick <laughs> The ginger with intent to injure Pfeiffer. Oh, my God. Hey, that boy coming, DC, that boy coming <laughs> with it, right? That boy coming with it. Out the gate, the redhead, he ready hey. to go. Now, this one, this one you'll know, DC. This one you'll know. The natural-born killer, Carlos Condit. That's a hard nickname, DC. Yeah, that's a good one. DC, that's, that, that's a hard nickname. Yeah, that's a All hard right? nickname. At number three, Demacio, the angel of death. Page. That's hard. The boy, the angel of death. I'm coming in right now. I'm killing. I'm taking all you. He the dude that come around. He the dude that come around on cut day, and he cuts you in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, yeah. Now, number two, somebody you know a little bit better, Thug Rose, Nama Yunus. I just think that's hard, especially once she cut the hair after the Ultimate Fighter. Thug Rose, that name is a classic. And the Korean zombie, bro. We, we, we all love zombie, zombie shows, zombie movies, but I have an honorable mention, D.C., yeah, yeah, and yeah. I know you don't lie. I know this is what you do. You love six names. Honorable mention, outside the top five, Jeff, scary nickname, Nader. Honorable so mention, that? DC. Who is that's that? His, that's who his is name. That? Why? Jeff, who is scary that? nickname, Nader, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that boy who a killer. Who is that? And why He's do you killer. get six names? Because he's because Jeff Scary nickname is a killer. And we know what he do. Oh, my God. Respect my mind, DC. Have a sip of water. Man. Doug, 
That was pretty good. That was pretty good for good nicknames. All right, for me, at number five, you're going to have to scroll that on the bottom for me because I don't have it written down. At number five, I got the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. So I agree with you. RC, okay. I agree with you. I got the Korean zombie because he got the great he got the great walkout, the song, you know, the zombie walkout. It's beautiful. It's perfect. At number four, fighting out of Memphis, Tennessee, Quentin Rampage. That was Jackson, though. You know Rampage? The Rampage was that dude. Rampage yeah. hey, was come that on. dude. He had the chain, Rampage and then he had the camo shorts. Ooh, that he was hard. Chain. Yeah, that was hey, hard. Rampage had the chain. Yeah. Rampage had the camo shorts. Quinn Rampage Jackson was that dude. At number three, I got, come on now, flash that for me. I got the axe murderer, Vandalay Silva. Hey, Vandalay the axe murderer Silva. Bro, you remember? He be, he be doing this. He be doing this, looking at the that camera. That's your heart. That's your heart. That's your Silva, dog, let's go. No, I love the nickname that draws a reaction. At number two, the notorious Connor McGregor. Dog, because, dog, the notorious, dog, this kid, Connor McGregor, came onto the scene. He was absolutely doing everything he said. He come out to Biggie. He got the foggy do. Now, look, he just had it all. But yep. I believe the greatest nickname in the history of the UFC Fighting out of Dagestan, Russia. Habib, the Eagle, Normagomedov, the Eagle of Dagestan. Bro, and I told Jake yesterday, Ryan, I told Jake yesterday, the greatest nickname in UFC history, it's not the Eagle. Jake, I want you to fix the graphic on the bottom. I want the old nickname. Before the UFC decided on their own to shorten it, it was Khabib. The Eagle of Dagestan, Nurmagomedov. That is the DC. hardest nickname DC. in UFC history. DC. Yes. What does it mean? What does it mean? Is it just the big bird? I'll tell like, you. Like, what is it? Nobody knows what it means. Hey. It's not even provocative. There it what? is. There it is. RC, look, there it is. They just DC. changed. Look, they changed. They changed the lower third. The Eagle of Dagestan. What? What does it represent? Like, is is an eagle some mystical creature? In Dagestan, like do 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 eagles do stuff hey, in Dagestan that they don't do in America? I'm confused. Yeah. Let me say this. Let me say this. You can't just, just pick it because he's your friend, DC. No, 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 no. Listen, it's listen because listen to this. Ray Lewis once said, "RC Ray Lewis once said, your boy. I know you like Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis once said that fly with the eagles because the eagles fly high." If you see a pigeon flying next to you, you are flying too low because they don't reach those heights. The eagle of Dagestan flies at heights that no one else can reach. This is a great name, RC. This is the apex predator of the skies. The eagle is the apex predator of the skies as Habib was the apex predator of the UFC. Ryan, is perfect. It's perfect, and it rightfully sits atop the best list on this show. You cheated. I mean, you cheated. Jake. <laughs> you cheated and you lost. So now Jake. you want to tap out. But so let's tap in the tap out. Jake. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Colby Covington has stated that he has full confidence he would break Israel Adesanya inside the octagon at 185 pounds. 
DC, tap in or tap out, that Colby could handle Adesanya? I'm going to let R.C. go first on this one because he wanted to say something. R.C., you go first. Man, tap all the way out. I wouldn't even watch this. Like, honestly, like, I wouldn't even go to this. Like, Kobe Covington just talking stupid, and y'all just allow Kobe Covington just to say whatever he wants to say. <laughs> like, we've seen... You tap we've out. Seen, you tap we've all seen, the way out. I, I tap all the way out. We've seen the takedown defense of Israel Adesanya. And if you're talking about these two dudes standing on their feet and striking for five... It wouldn't go five rounds, first of all. He's too long. He's too skilled. I do not tap in on Kobe Covington beating Israel Adesanya in anything. In anything you pick. He can't beat him in dancing. He can't beat him in walking out. To, he can't beat him in dressing. He can't beat him in nothing. And so the fact that we're even discussing this makes me as upset as DC's number one for nicknames. And now I'm salty. RC, can I say this? Your RC, can I say this? Your explanation was as biased as me putting Habib number one on my list. <laughs> but listen to me. Dog, you're homing. You're homing for Israel and Sonya. Dog, I tap out, but I don't tap out as surely as Ryan does. I tap out because I just believe the size would be an issue for Colby Covington. I don't know if he's big enough to like employ that strategy against Israel Adesanya and break him. And we have not seen Izzy break. We are not talking about a guy that struggles with his cardio. We are not talking about a guy that when Kelvin Gastelum pushed him to the limit, he was willing to pack up his lunch and go home. So it's hard to say he would break him. So I'm tapping out because I don't know if he could overcome the size. Corporate Jake. Saturday night on ESPN Plus pay-per-view, Devin Haney puts his lightweight title on the line against top contender Vasily Lomachenko. RC, tap oh. in or tap out. Haney keeps his undefeated record intact after Saturday night. Uh, first of all, I tap in that Devin Haney is on the pivot today, so if you guys want to check that out, you should enjoy it. Also, too, I tap in that Devin Haney remains undefeated. You know, we talked about the way that he was hurt late in the, in the Linares fight and what it meant to go across the pond and fight Cambosis two times. He talks about being dominant and imposing his will on Vasily Lomachenko. He wanted this fight four years ago. When Vasily Lomachenko was at the top of the game, he feels like this is one of those fights that he has to have, that he has to win to continue to build his legacy. And I believe that it takes him to 30 and 0 after this Saturday night. I, I tap in because I think Lomachenko's past his expiration date, even though he's still very young. But I think what this tells me is how busy the UFC has kept me because how in the world did I not know Devin Haney was fighting Vasil Lomachenko this weekend? Like, I had no idea that those guys were fighting. And if and like he said, RC, Haney said he wanted this fight four years ago. If this fight happened four years ago, it would have been like Tank versus Ryan Garcia. That's how yeah. big those names are if they happen at the right time. That speaks to boxing, man. The fights have to happen when they need to happen or people tend to, like, forget about it a little bit. Corporate Jake. I mean, it just continues to show how I'm more locked into the fight game than you are, DC. Corporate Jake, go ahead. All right, guys, last one. We've got some <laughs> UFC fighters working side gigs. Hamzat Shemaev is side gigging as an Uber driver, while Taito Ivasa is working as a delivery Domino's man. DC, tap in or tap out. Tui Ivasa has the better side hustle. <laughs> I tap in because... Ty's getting to eat all the pizza he wants. Yep. Like, you know what I'm saying? He, he yep. gets to eat pizza all he wants. But I got to tell you something, man. These dudes got money. 
So I don't know if these dudes doing this for social media and for Instagram, but these cats got money. These cats ain't working at these places unless they're part owner in whatever Domino's tied to Ivasa is in. He must have some ownership stake in there. Otherwise, he ain't in there uh, doing what he's doing right now. And Hamza Chumayev was probably doing that Uber thing for a joke. Yeah, listen, I tap in, and I saw Ty Tuivasa with the Soul Bay on the cheese with Domino's. So I think that that's a way better side gig <laughs> than Uber because Uber freaking stinks. You don't know who you're going to get in the car. You don't know how they're going to act. You don't know if they just came from drinking. You know, and then, or you could get a stupid passenger like Ryan Clark in London who forgets his phone at DC's hotel. They leave it downstairs. You drive, you get you get all the way to your hotel. That's 30 minutes. Then you got to recall yeah, the yeah. Uber. The same Uber driver just turns around, picks you up, drives you to DC's <laughs> hotel, right? You find your phone. To drive you walk back. outside, and then he turns back around and brings you back to the other hotel. Nobody wants to be the Uber driver that dude, drives the same dude four times. But, D.C., man, this was fun. It was great to talk to Francis Ngannou. Unlike you thought, he did not fumble the bag. He kept the bag. He's still rolling with oh. the bag. He set a new deal precedent in mixed martial arts. We now know what we're going to see with Hamza Chimaya, which we still don't know. <laughs> R.C., Again, once a great a great show, but hey, Uber dude in London made some cash off of you. Man. He drove you back and forth four times, dog. Dude's like, man, 30 minutes each way. These Americans have all kind of money that they want to waste. I'm like, no, just my guy. Not Americans. Ryan Clark has a whole bunch of money that he just loves to waste. Guys, new episodes every Tuesday on YouTube, ESPN Plus, and now Midnight Eastern on ESPN2. I'm DC. That's my guy, RC. Until next week, peace.